Yes, it is basically a game with two different teams, isn't it? Hey, Eddie, you know we tell you to like keep the weight off in the offseason, Mike. This this offseason, don't worry about it, man. You just beef up, just truck dudes. You just truck dudes. And that, that's what I think Matt Jones said. Just, just truck people. Sorry, kind of a convoluted question, but do you, do you sort of see where I'm getting at? How do, how do you know where to give credit in a good rushing game? Yeah, you were really rambling there, man, weren't you? You just were feeling yourself, weren't you? Welcome in to another edition of Burgundy Blogcast, the blogcast that discussed the Washington Redskins and the blogcast of Burgundy Blog, run by the man, Brent, who's with us. I'm Hayes Permar from Sports Channel 8. Brent, how do you think about the Redskins getting another win, now four in a row? What do you think? I am feeling like a million bucks, Hayes. Well, the other thing you know now is not only is it four wins in a row, obviously after game one we said, hey, the Redskins aren't as good as the Steelers. In game two you thought, man, you'd like the Redskins to be at least on par with the Cowboys. We didn't know at the time that the Cowboys might be one of the best teams in the NFL. So it's four wins in a row and two losses to, you know, seemingly pretty, pretty good teams. you got to be feeling good about the Redskins. I know I do this. This is such a bland, vanilla question every week, but football is basically a game where you have two different teams on the field. Uh, are you happy? Yes, it is basically a game with two different teams, isn't it? It is basically. No, no, no. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Each team. <laughs> thanks. Thanks for making me look like an idiot. When you're talking about the Redskins team, the offense and defense, though they affect each other in things like field position, are basically operating as uh, independent functions on the field. Indeed. Uh, which team is better for the Redskins right now or more of a factor in this 4-2 record, their offense or their defense? Um, I think that the offense ha- the offense we, we suspected – uh, would be you know at least adequate or or a little bit better coming into the season and I think it has been even though Cousins hasn't been quite as good as we'd hoped but I think that the main uh, contributor among these phases to this four game win streak is definitely the defense excellent and today's game 27 20 I read some things that were calling it sort of, if not the most complete game, maybe the most uh, close vision to what the GM and the coaching staff feel like this Redskins team can and should be. Do you do you feel like this was the Redskins sort of performing? I mean, obviously anybody at their best would be blowing teams out, but th- is this sort of the the essential Redskins team? What we put all, saw today, where they you know got over 100 yards rushing out of Matt Jones, severely limited the. Eagles, both uh, passing and rushing attack. Uh, is this a, sort of an essential Redskins win, quintessential Redskins win? Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, I think it, it it's what, it, you know, it's probably the closest to what Scott McLuhan has envisioned and preached. Um, I don't know if I'd call it quintessential because I don't know, you know, I'm, that's, I'm not sure that that's really what they are. I'm not sure that they've actually become, or at least that the, this iteration in 2016 is... Uh, you know, is what he hoped they would become in the long run. But, but I mean, yeah, just for the reasons you said, they they seem to control the line of scrimmage um, both on offense and defense today. And I don't know that there's been a game yet, 
even over this win streak um, where where we could truthfully say that that happened in both phases but yeah the um, the offensive line really just looked awesome today they they um, kept cousins pretty clean he was not sacked and then they had their best rushing game of the year by by a mile they had I think they put up 230 or more rushing yards and then on the flip side the defensive line looked certainly as good or better today than they have all season with including five five sacks um, of Carson Wentz so so yeah I mean it was just you know the big uglies on both sides really got it done today to an extent that they hadn't yet And I want to talk a little bit about Matt Jones. He's, he seems like an interesting character. He, he doesn't get talked about a lot. I think he does a good job of um, kind of staying quiet for, for a guy who probably doesn't want to be talked about because if you, he could be inconsistent, I guess. He's had good games, which then he, he doesn't want to get talked up in his big games because then it'll be more glaring, I guess, when he doesn't have big games. <laughs> but but my, um, my, my question more broad than, than Matt Jones and this Redskins team specifically is how much – how much do you, as a fan, who I consider you more than a fan? You're you're a smart guy. You're a fan, and that you're you know you could be irrational, and that you only and that you only watch your teams. You have bias, and that you don't watch the whole league as closely as you do watch the Redskins. However, you don't just watch them and say, "Oh, great run! We have a good running back." You know, and at times you'll go back and even look and see who made the good blocks or whatever. Yeah. Is there a way to quantify how much you, as a fan slash expert, quantify the credit given to the offensive line versus the running back in in rushing situations? And and obviously it's some of both. And and you know there are a few guys in the league I would say like Levy and Bell or or you know over to, at times guys like Barry Sanders who obviously you could just see have something slightly different. But how many – How many? when you get at the NFL level, how much is it about – well, if you took the number one offensive line in, in the NFL and lined up all 30, you know, 32 starting running backs, how many of them would have the best seasons if they were behind the best offensive line? Once you get to that certain level of, yeah, you're an NFL running back, you're going to run for 1,500 yards behind these guys. Or how much of it really is – no, the guys who are you know that much faster or stronger or know how to pick holes or whatever. Sorry, kind of a convoluted question, but do you, do you sort of see where I'm getting at? How do, how do you know where to give credit in a good rushing game? Yeah, you were really rambling there, man, weren't you? You just were feeling yourself, weren't you? Maybe, I, maybe I'll use the edit. At, that's a good. Uh, liberal, that's so. a good question. The um, uh, yeah. So that's that's I have my my answer is multifaceted. First of all, I'm I mean. I um, I appreciate your compliment of referring to me as an expert, but um, you know, with regard to offensive line play, I wouldn't consider myself that. Uh, offensive line play is extremely complicated, and um, you know, even like professional uh, observers often disagree, you know, significantly on on a player or a unit's overall performance. And I think sure. this year, an example of that was that, like, right before the season started, I think it was during the preseason, the Packers kind of up and and released um 
long time, I guess, vet, veteran and very uh, highly regarded um, offensive lineman, Josh Sitton. And, um, like, I think he was – he's been an all-pro. I think he's a an incumbent all-pro, in fact. And and they, they just sort of, like, surprise cut him for, like, maybe sort of contract reasons but not explicitly. And, um, you know, it just – I thought – kind of really uh exemplified the fact that there's there's just like nobody really knows aside from basically an offensive coordinator and his offensive line coach like whether or not a guy or a couple of guys have have like you know succeeded for their um their goal on a given play or over the course of a game or a season so i mean it's definitely not something that i i think i'm like amazing at but you know another point is that when it comes to running backs like obviously this is no revelation but like over the last few years the running back position is thought to be a lot more fungible and and like the guys are not making as much they're not getting drafted as high and there's sort of like this league-wide sense that like all you kind of really need is like a good running back because they're all yeah. sort of the same and like even the best ones probably don't make that big of a difference in terms of yards per carry or like win total and that most of it does come down to your offensive line so I mean it seems like talent evaluators and front offices in the league are moving towards like <clears throat> most of the success in a running game is dependent on um, you know more of it is about the offensive line than it is about the, the talent of like RB1 but then you know you got your exceptional players like Zeke Elliott who are thought to be like so special that they're worth a top five draft pick so definitely it's a combination of things and when I watch a Redskins game you know in the immediate aftermath for me to say like oh yeah the offensive line was so good uh, because they had the X number of yards rushing that's probably a little bit unfair but I think a lot of it you know I don't know me personally it's just like kind of the sense over the course of four quarters like are these guys like are, are these is Matt Jones is Rob Kelly accumulating a lot of like yards after contact or are they like running through big holes and getting to the second level every time and today you know I think it was a combination the <laughs> backs looked like they were running hard but you know they just weren't they were not getting hit in the backfield nearly as often as they tend to um, or you know at least in the recent past so to me it really seemed like that offensive line and this you know I, I kind of like did a bunch of tweets and like that little like a couple mini podcasts things last week about um you know how I, f- I expected a big running game uh even against even against the ravens because like laveo was back and and uh spencer long was in at center for lichtensteiger and it didn't really happen last week but boom man it happened today in a big way and i really like this combination of five starters for the redskins um especially in the run game much more than i did even that week one starting lineup because i just think that big body of uh spencer long in the middle is uh you know just a big upgrade and was the were the changes that, that got to the offensive line being what they are now, or that result of injury, or the coaching staff listening to and, and following the Burgundy blog, or what? How, how did that come about? I'm pretty sure they do follow me on Twitter anonymously. I mean, I've suspected that for a while, and I think for good reason. So you, so you basically made the call on this offensive line. Is that what I you're don't saying? see how you can get around that. That's pretty much what I'm saying. <laughs> No, I mean the re- some Spencer Long. They give credit where credit is due. Spencer Long to is you. playing center to right you. now because Corey Lichtensteiger went on IR. So that was you know everybody. All the other four guys are in their week one starting positions, but um, there's it just seems like a good chemistry right now. And 
Um, you know, I think uh, one that uh, I think this is a unit where if everybody stays healthy, they can have a lot of success for the next couple three years. Very cool, and I'm sure Matt Jones will be happy to hear how little uh, credit you want to give him. Yeah. And, and no, 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 I'm kidding. He's, not uh, he, he's an interesting cat, you know. He, like he, we've seen the you know big games for him uh, and and flashes of brilliance. He, at times, he seems to be, uh, and, and even some of the plays we're watching today, almost that that perfect combination of uh, not not so huge that he can't still be pretty darn fast, but. Uh, but not so small and fast that he can't still, you know, just run through or over people. He, he seems to have that, uh, you know, pretty good combination. Back, back in the old Nintendo days, when you had to choose like skinny, fat, or like in between, he's like in between, and, and uh, seems to use that well. What, what what do you think about him? Are, are you are you like happy with his performance through a couple of years, or are you left wanting more from him and wondering why you don't have more? 145-yard rushing days from Matt Jones. Yeah, I don't think he's necessarily yet even in, like, the top half of starting running backs, but he's certainly better this year Should than he, he was last year. Should yeah, he? I mean, he's he's sort of tantalizing because, like you said, he's kind of got all these nice measurables. He's, like, 6'3", 230. He's this big dude that should be able to, you know, he's, he's somewhat agile. He's pretty fast, at least in a straight line, and he's big enough to, like, truck guys. But I think the rub on him... Um, you know, with the exception of a couple games this season, is that he's kind of like this big guy, but he he's kind of like a scat back in a big guy's body. Like he thinks that he should be like throwing moves on guys rather than just lowering <laughs> yeah, shoulders. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So like, and sometimes he gets away with it, and it's interesting. I actually that thought actually occurred to me today because like. I don't remember at what point in the game, but he, he had a, he had a run and he, he actually put like a pretty sweet like lateral move on a guy. And I, I was like, exactly what you're talking. And, and about. I was like, I almost wish he hadn't succeeded because that probably just bought us three or four more games of him jumping around side to side, you know. <laughs> but but you know when he like today he was he you know he he kind of I saw a lot of things and this this I wonder if there's something to this, but like saw some tweets and, and articles already saying like um the the backup Rob Kelly came in, um and his he, this maybe like in the second quarter and he ripped off a really sweet looking 45 or something yard run and then after that when Matt Jones came in he was like running a lot angrier and you're wondering like okay maybe he's kind of like you know there's a little gamesmanship here and he's he doesn't want to get shown up but um you know he, he he looked better he what would he get 130 something yards today this is I think that was his biggest output in you know a long time so um I, I didn't mean to take anything away from him he had a nice a nice game yeah, he scored you did, you did. Yeah, but um, yeah, he he leaves. I mean, over over the the aggregate, he leaves a little bit to des- to be desired. But you know, it's only a second year. I mean, if he if he really kind of uh, you know figures out who he is and um, starts being more of a uh, of a bruiser, uh, and he could be a little bit more valuable in short yardage, where you know recently last couple of games, third and one, third and two, the Redskins are just basically afraid to run the ball apparently i mean they hardly right. are so um it would be nice if you're if you're 6'3 230 pound back like was it was an asset in that situation but he you know he's got potential so i think for a third round pick you know he's been a, he's been a good pick so far um and you know with the with the ceiling to be even better yeah you need him to watch those tapes of eddie lacy eddie lacy definitely i think had that same syndrome for his first couple of years where he was like a big dude but he still had those like memories of like middle school days of breaking ankles. Right. And now, now like somebody got to him and they're like, Hey Eddie, you know, we tell you to like keep the weight off in the off season. Like this, <laughs> this off season, 
Don't worry about it, man. He just beat up and just trucked it. You just trucked it. And that, that's where I think Matt Jones is at. Just, just truck people. Um, but no, I like him watching him run. Look, I don't – obviously, you know, I, I don't study the team. I don't talk about Jones. I don't know the situation. Uh, but but I always am reminded of how much, you know, life actually matters in sports. I think a lot – more than uh, than fans can sometimes get credit for. You know, they, they think that players are robots, and, and if lined up in certain situations, they should have you know certain output. That's just how it goes. Yeah. But Jones, <clears throat> in watching and knowing a little bit about his history, whatever, and again, uh, not claiming to know a person at all, he remind he seems a little bit almost like Garrett Blunt, where either whether it's when motivated or when just you know, feel, feels like he's in the right situation, can be one of the best backs, but but is one of those guys who, you know, if if he's not, whether, you know, again, I'm not claiming how Matt Jones is or, or isn't treated, but just, and, and then as you mentioned, like, maybe his motivation was seeing somebody else t- take some of his PT, but um, but if he's playing well, that means obviously I think he, he likes the situation he's in, but I, I, he does have skills. He's, he's intriguing to watch, and when you see him break off a couple runs in a row, you are wondering why you know he, he isn't uh, sort of a 100-yard back yeah. every, every game. I just throw in a hand of goldfish when you call. Delicious. Ah. Um, always good. If I ever have kids, that's going to be like the only thing my kids snack on because I'll, I'll just crush those. Most other kids' snacks I want no part of. That's go. That's probably the only thing you would snack on even if they weren't your favorite thing. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. If, well, if, if, I, if I have a kid, we'll just, we'll just have like the, <laughs> not like a cup of goldfish, like we'll constantly, you know, you know the big box. You know what I'm talking about. Of the course. Stuff. But that would just be around nonstop. Yeah, but the uh-huh. best goldfish is not the the um, cheddar one. Cheddar, but that's the only one they put in the big box. Yeah, yeah, but and that's huge. Yeah, but parm parm is the best one. Nah, pizza. <laughs> Pizza's so good. I respect parm. I do like parm. Pizza, pizza is so good. Pizza's kind of a rare find. Sometimes they'll have three or four flavors, and pizza won't be one of them. <laughs> It is interesting they don't do the uh, big box for any other flavors. I think we can agree that any of the extra cheese flavor explosions are all terrible. I got no time for rainbow either. Um, (laughs) On to more important things. All right, we're always going to talk about cousins. I saw you tweeting some this week, some interesting stuff. Stats comparing him to uh, to some of his peers uh, this season. Obviously, there's guys like Aaron Rodgers who have an off season, but it really seemed to put uh, you know Kirk Cousins right in the middle of of what his peers are doing as far as leading NFL teams this season. Are you to the point now where you the, the stat you're judging him on is just going to be wins losses, and that you, sometimes you get too caught up in in uh, in trying to figure out where or where he is or isn't in the top five among quarterbacks instead of just saying, like, look, he, he does a, an adequate job of running the team, and if the team wins, then, then he should get the, the quarterback's share of credit for the win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I might be moving a little bit more towards that. I mean, I, philosophically, I, I try to yeah, – I think uh, judging QBs by wins and wins alone is just not really fair or, you know, it's a little bit of an oversimplification. But um, – I definitely, you know, what I what I want and hope for out of him, 
going forward is 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 not like huge yardage totals and i i certainly do not give a crap about his completion percentage which i think is just like a, a utterly useless statistic anymore especially when uh, one of the stats that i was tweeting this week was that of all the starting quarterbacks um he had thrown the, the lowest percentage of um passes more than 10 yards in the air so like you know he's uh, you know some of that check down Charlie stuff that some of the some of his detractors are throwing around was somewhat validated by that one. But um, you know, I I'm, I'm getting I'm getting into like I'm getting into a little bit of a comfort zone with Cuz. I'm thought we're kind of feeling each other out, and you know we've established the relationship a little bit, and um, you know I'm I'm going to stop riding the roller coaster on him. We talked a little bit about this last week, but I've realized that he's not. You know I don't consider him at this point. He's 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 sort Sort of, you know, if you've got a rank quarterback, NFL starting quarterbacks, he's like somewhere roughly in the middle, and I don't really care if he's a little bit above the mean or a little bit below it. But the spe- the unique thing about him is that he's just from play to play, it's like he's he's almost never really average. He's just, he's he's always like excellent and or atrocious, and so um, he's just he's not only a polarizing player to fans, but he's like a polarizing performer on the field and so sure enough today you know there was long stretches in the first half where he was really dealing the offense um the offense was humming you know they almost got to 30 points for the game um but but then he had his like obligatory totally mandatory super bad hideous potentially game ruining play with that ugly pick six that he threw i mean there's always going to be one or two and so now that i've kind of like accepted that I'm not as mad at him about it anymore. I mean, I think if he can, you know, if he can find a way to to navigate those things, um, like he did today and the offense did today, then you know, I think we, I think we need to start sort of um, just just realizing what he is and that it's, you know, for the last four weeks it's been good enough. And I think a lot of, you know, I don't know if you watched um, any of uh, Dallas and Green Bay, but like. Aaron Rodgers, who's just a total stud dog, um, you know, over the last few years, arguably the best quarterback in in the NFL, um, he just looked like canned ass today. I mean, and he's been up and down this season, but it it happens. I mean, it's, um, you know, you mentioned earlier that I I watch mainly Redskins and and not the rest of the NFL, and that's definitely true. And, you know, in some ways, it helps me to be super focused on the Redskins, but I I do wish I could watch more just regular season games of other teams so that it could, you know, I could could more more appropriately calibrate uh, my guys. Um, But, you know, if you watch snippets of other games around the league, including those featuring the best quarterbacks, I mean, you're going to see a lot of mistakes, like even the best players. I mean, you know, Brady's Brady's kind of a robot and, and just rarely makes awful plays. But when when you see a guy like Aaron Rodgers have just, you know, put up the stinker that he did today at home against Dallas, you realize that, you know, I don't know, maybe sometimes, I mean, I'm not trying to sugarcoat it, Cousins has not been everything that we hoped this year for sure. But, you know, maybe sometimes we, we the standard is potentially a little too high. And I do think you need to throw out the money. I mean, they pay they franchised him. They're paying him this $19.9 million so that he wouldn't leave town. That was it. They had to. Nobody nobody in the, on the Redskins in, in the front office 
thinks that he was actually worth that this year. Kirk Cousins doesn't think he was actually worth that worth that this year. Nope, nobody does. I mean, that, that's not how they were um, valuing him. That was that was just a move that was necessary, and it's not what he's going to be averaging over the next several years. But um, you know, I, I think. I think Cousins today certainly, and by the way, he did this today without Jordan Reed, which is his favorite target for sure. Uh, um, yeah. it, it, you know, Jordan Reed being out kind of forced him, I think, to you know uh, focus on on the alternatives, and he distributed it very nicely. I mean, he got Djax involved early, which I thought was really important because if he doesn't get targets early on, it's he sometimes gets his head out of the game. He got Garcon, uh, uh, you know, active throughout the game, and that's important too because um, you know he gets. Disgruntled easily. Crowder caught a touchdown. Uh, Reed's replacement, Vernon Davis, caught a touchdown. I mean, he was, you know, he was dealing there for parts. And then, you know, he had his hideous interception and another one that could have been an interception in the end zone. Um, but for the most part, I'm pretty happy with how he did today. And, you know, I think if this, you know, if, if how he played today is how he plays, uh, you know, for the rest of the season, that's not going to keep them out of the playoffs. It's not necessarily going to vault them into it. But, um, you know, I just, and I feel like a broken record, but I, I just want him to try and eliminate that one incredibly boneheaded play every game. And then we won't all have to be biting our nails for the last five minutes of every fourth quarter. Maybe they could win a couple of these games by two or three scores. No, I totally agree. I, I got a theory, actually, from, from hearing you talk some about it. I think there was like a four-year period. Now, I'm not saying I, I still believe in, in the, you know, you do have to have a certain level of QB to, to win Super Bowl, but I also agree that that, uh, that Cousins is, is kind of at that level. I think we had a, a four-year period, you know, basically Manning's last four years with the Colts. You had Manning, Brady, Breeze, and Rodgers mm-hmm. all playing it, not like top of the NFL, like top in NFL history level yeah. quarterback. And every Sunday night or Monday night, yeah, the, the game that, that every fan was watching it beside their own team game probably involved one of those guys. Right. And it became this frustrating cycle of like feeling like anybody you had was just miles away from those guys because they kind of were. That's and a now, good point, actually, yeah. Obviously, we've seen, uh, you know, uh, well, I mean, we, we saw Peyton Manning's fall was was huge. I mean, they had to, like, totally change the way the game was played around him in Denver. Yeah. Brady has sort of stayed at top. But even we, we've seen, you know, and their, their system has always sort of, like, evolved so much that we right. don't know if he can't throw the deep ball or they just don't do it. Um, and then Rodgers is the perfect example of, hey, you know, it's not that easy to play a great, great quarterback nonstop. Um, I, 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 it frustrated, I think, uh, Panthers fans, I can say from, from my perspective, for, for the first couple of years when Newton was seemed to be held to the, the high standard of, I don't know, he's not playing at that level that like Breeze, Brady, and <laughs> for like 30 years. And it's like, you know, I know. A, we know that he's not at that level, but then also – They're quit, like all first ballot, yeah. And, and quit ignoring the fact that he rushes for like 15 touchdowns a year. I think Cousins <laughs> suffers because he doesn't run like um, RG3 did, which yeah. sort of, you know, anytime you run, that can be a offset some of the you're not the perfect quarterback. It's the, oh, well, you do bring this to the game. Cousins is, is then being compared to other straight pocket quarterbacks, which are directly the you know the Breeze, Manning, Brady, whatever guy. So I think it does become tough, and, and it does take some perspective to realize, hey, you know, like even Aaron Rodgers 
is it Aaron Rodgers of that one MVP season when he went nuts? You know, even Tom Brady doesn't right. look every game like that one year where he had Randy Moss and, and, and everything he threw was, was gold. So, yes, I think there is some perspective. And, and I think we've seen quarterback play even take yeah, a step back from, from that, you know, maybe the, the, the golden era of the whatever 2008 through 2012 season or whatever. Right. Right. So, um, one thing I was impressed with with Cousins watching him today, uh, and, and not to sound like a wannabe football expert, but uh, um, just footwork in general. And there were a couple times I saw him move forward in the pocket, which I think would be one of the hardest things to do as uh-huh. a quarterback, just because even even when you know that that three seconds into the play, the pressure is not coming from your face anymore, like. Taking steps forward while looking 20 yards downfield is always hard, and I just noticed a couple of times he seemed to have a good sort of sense of that. So I, you know, I, I think that uh, I agree, and that's big. Actually, that's kind of that's been like one of his one of like a knock on him is 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 his. Um, you know, either not being able to or not not feel, feeling comfortable doing that, specifically stepping up in the pocket. So that was that was nice to see. I agree. Yeah, so so we'll look at that today. And of course, my boy had to do Jamison Crowder get another teeter. I'm disappointed I dropped him on fantasy, but he's also he's one of those guys. Like we said, it's a punt return. It's tough to tell when he's going to get his touchdown. He's just a good player, though. You know, like I, I mean, he's he's actually been making a lot of big plays over the last three four weeks, and I I don't know if that's going to continue to be his mo because um, he's not like blazing fast. He's just sort of like really shifty, but um, he's just you know he he gives every indication of being a guy that's going to be like a key cog, you know, just if, if, if not a star, I mean, maybe a star, but, but like certainly a valuable role player for like eight years. You know, I just think he, he's just looking like an absolute pro, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm very glad to have him. Um, who's the guy in the Ryan Kerrigan outfit today? Seriously. Well, you know, like the, the, um, the Eagles uh, last week, their their starting right tackle Lane Johnson is really good. He got hit with a ten game suspension for uh, PEDs, and so oh, that's, the, the, maybe that's why he was really good. They were starting this total scrub rookie today, but I mean, yeah, but Kerrigan looked awesome today. Um, they got him going early, which was huge. Uh, they got Djax going early, which was huge. Um, yeah, I, I know that the, the 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 front seven has really, I mean, picked up the. Their, their ability to pressure the quarterback recently, which is a very encouraging development. Yeah, five sacks, six tackles for loss, 11 QB hits. Um, so, so pretty good overall. Awesome. Um, you got any questions for me? What do you think about the uh, – hopefully you saw the Vernon Davis um, excessive celebration penalty after his touchdown. I, I, saw, I saw people write about it. I didn't see it live. Uh, I, I saw, somebody did a great job of breaking down just the ridiculousness of the excessive celebration taunting thing. Did you see this last week when people were breaking down all the different ways that, mm-hmm. that the NFL has contradicted itself in trying to uh, to, to enforce this thing? So yeah. you, you tell me your thoughts because I, I won't have as good a – my mind will be just from reading, uh, I think uh, – 
Steinberg's take on it. So what, what did you see? Well, so he scored the touchdown, and then he, you know, he, he mimicked like a jump shot, I guess. He shot the ball through the uprights. And then I, they, I've already seen the, the head of officiating, Dean Blandino, actually tweeted a narrated video about the play, explaining why, by the rule book, it was the correct call because technically he used the ball and the goalposts as props. <laughs> I love, I love that we have to. I mean, we're getting to the point that like the section on celebrations in the rule book is is thicker than the rest of the section <laughs> involved. Because because we I saw somebody else today. Uh, shoot, I'm trying to think of who it was. You know, the bow and arrow has become a thing now. You yeah. know, because like Josh Norman, because that, that that was one of the contradictions. It was like Josh Norman didn't get dinged for it, and then there goes Andrew Luck running in for a touchdown, <laughs> getting me some fantasy points, baby. Uh, Josh Norman, you know, firing the arrow, not getting a flag for it, and then I then Josh Norman doing it, getting a flag for it. There's a difference between being on the sideline and being in the end zone. I mean, then now so now there's a guy who apparently was doing the bow and arrow a lot. Who did like scored today? Did go to take the arrow out, but did not fire it. Just so, therefore, uh, it needs to be okay. It was probably Cooks. I think Brandon Cooks from the yes, that's exactly he had a long was. touchdown. So is that what he did? He didn't. He didn't shoot it. Yeah, he took it out, but he, he did not fire it. Which I mean, like that, like that's gonna be in the rule book somewhere. It's like, uh, what do we? So if you can take the arrow out and not fire it, does that mean I could pull like a gun out of my? Uh, out of my jacket and like hold it around sideways not and look the crowd but not fire at people. Is that okay? Well, <laughs> and that's I mean, the danger. And when you start doing this stuff, is that well, you, you got to keep slope. it. Yeah, people, or just when you start writing the rules of what you can't do, then the players are going to go find everything not written in there and do those and make those cool. You know what I mean? Those are going right. to be the ones they want to do. And here's where, where the NFL really runs into trouble, I think, seriously. Well, A, they love dinging them on things that they get flagged for, but then are, like, placed in, like, the intro to Sunday Night Football. Like, like Antonio Brown uh, oh, know, right. and J.J. Watt doing the no, 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 or whatever. Right. Like, hey, advertising. That. Yeah. And then the NFLs, yeah, pushing it. That used to be the big thing back in the day when they were, like, down on the hits and the video games had, like, bonus points if you took the dude's head off. And it's like, oh, I can't have it both ways. But, uh... Uh, but no, the the, uh, the the one that really gets me is calling stuff sexually suggestive, right? <laughs> well, today, did you see, and it was a great moment, and, and it was, there was nothing suggestive. Golden Tate ran over and, like, danced with the cheerleaders. <laughs> so, like, by rule, any dancing with the cheerleaders has to be considered sexually suggestive. Did he get a flag? That's, no, 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 he didn't. But, like, oh. all they do all game is sit there and do what Antonio Brown right. Does, right? So if a player goes and stands in the middle of them, I mean, in theory, the same stodgy people could be like, you can't stand in between two girls and dance. That's clearly sexually suggestive. But it was a great moment. It was an ugly, like, I think he grabbed, he was like doing the routine. It was fantastic. But no, that's that's the problem when you come to, and, and I think that's a problem with rules in general and what makes you know, sports tougher now. We get replay, and there's more legislation. And it's one of the reasons I hate to say it. Why soccer is set up to, I think, succeed more in the long run. No, not succeed more. I'm not going quite there. But the simplicity of it. There's right. no room to put in more different rules now. Even they'll start having complications of what is or what is not replayable uh-huh. or by review and stuff like that. And that but that gets complicated. But there's just not. 
you know, much, much room for stuff like that. As I opposed think to simplicity the, was the right word there, because that's really the key. I mean, the, it, it, the, the game, you know, the game loser loses its its uh, standardizability. Yeah. Uh, when when you have like a catch rule that's like a paragraph, so that's really the key. I mean, I think almost everyone agree, you know, specifically with the catch rule. It's almost like we don't even really care what rule you pick; just make it short and easy. And yeah. so, you know, it's like that's all there really is to it. But you know, on on the Vernon Davis thing, I will say, I mean, I, I mean, we almost don't even need to talk about how stupid and pointless the rule itself is, but. As I'm watching the game, I'm very excited that he just scored. And I'll tell you, I mean, I did. I don't know. I, I didn't really know for sure that that specific m- m- maneuver would w- was objectionable. But like the second he did it, as he's doing it, I, I mean, I it occurred to me like I was like, oh no, that's probably going to be a penalty. And yeah. you know, I didn't really know that it was, but like, sure enough, so. I think I don't know. It's very hard to kind of take out of the equation the adrenaline and the excitement. And he actually kind of said afterwards he sort of well he didn't say explicitly, but like he gave the impression that he had not you know almost planned it a little bit. Like because in the past he scored and he's dunked, and then he knew that dunking was illegal. So he was I like, understand oh. why they took dunking out. Once somebody you know didn't somebody like ding the, the goalpost? Yeah, like, I think they, they broke a goalpost or that's, something. Uh, so I that understand that. Yeah. He kind of like thought ahead of time, like, no, I can't dunk. So if I score, which by the way, he hadn't done in over two years, um, <laughs> yeah, so he scores and he's like, okay, you know, I'll pop a little J. And then, you know, it's like, <sighs> you'd like him to have the wherewithal to just not do it. But, you know, it's really hard to blame him for doing something that until very recently obviously would have been fine. I know that, but that's where you got to. I mean, like I said, if the if the uh, if the would be archers of the NFL are out there studying what they can do to still fit in the rule, you know, you just gotta you gotta tell Vernon. And it was hey. it was incredibly important in the game because you know they assess it on the kickoff. No, so, we've seen that happen. Uh, subsequent kickoff this year that they get lost because somebody scores like with 15 seconds left, the celebration penalty. Helps the other team right. get it up in the field, but then right. you get it. Yeah, I mean, it, it could matter. easily happen. Like this was in the second quarter, but um, you know, the the, the huh. ensuing kickoff, Dustin Hopkins, who'd been just booming every single one of them out the back of the end zone, couldn't reach the end zone, and it got returned for a touchdown. I mean, it, it was it was a big. It really changed the the you know the the tenor of the game. So just just idiotic. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, that was a good discussion. But that was not the question I had in mind when I was asking if there was anything else you wanted to ask me, specifically from your listeners. Is there are there any questions? Oh yeah. Uh, I, guess, I don't know if I have I don't have quick access to the tweet, but one of my listeners was very curious to know your thoughts on are you do you miss Josh Norman now? Yeah, it's a good question. It's a good, good, good question. Do you uh, do you really want to answer that, or, uh, or do you just want to troll me by making yeah, fun no, of it? Bring it on, bring it on. Now, the, the, well, the, okay, I'll say a couple things. Now, this is obviously in reference to the Panthers suffering the never will I question it again lost Super Bowl hangover, um, <laughs> now one in five. Uh, I'll also say it, it's a reminder of just, you know, uh, how close, uh, you know, how close every team is or can be in the NFL. Both a, a team, you know, with a similar makeup can, can be. Six and zero at this point last year, and now one and five. But also, you know, they lost 
because they missed a 51-yarder in the game in the season opener. They lost a the game when Cam Newton was out, and then they lost on a 51-yarder this one. You know what I mean? Like they're two 50-yard kicks away from being 500, and you're just like, uh, now they obviously they looked terrible today to start the first half. They don't look good. But on the specific question, I know you don't want to hear my excuses <laughs> for the band. On Josh Norman, I would say it's like this. I am okay with my team having the philosophy of not paying, um, not overpaying quarterbacks and not paying quarterbacks too much. I I also don't know exactly what the uh, the exchanges were that led you know the Panthers to seemingly sort of quickly change. We're going to keep him for a year to he's out of here now. Right. I would definitely have thought maybe it would have been worth keeping him for one year. I think a lot of Panthers fans say that, especially because we were signed up for that. Yeah. Now, I don't know if, if the agent if, – if I'm Dave Gettleman and the agent says, fuck you, we're not talking until the number gets to whatever, and Dave Gettleman said, all right, well, then we're, we're done with this, then I still kind of have no problem with it, even though it hurts to watch our rookie quarterbacks uh, get deep into that. Um, so, so yeah, so that's my, uh, I'm not trying to just cape up or, or right. be stubborn. It's, I don't miss him. Uh, I do like having, uh, uh you know, a, a general manager that sort of has a plan and a philosophy. I hate to think that he, now again, I'm saying that Dave Gettleman was the one that he's too big and he says, uh, free agents talk to me before this date or we're done or whatever. And he's got to be big dick. Then yeah, screw him. And, and, and I hope he watches and gets pissed off every time that, a quarterback gets burned, but uh, but ultimately, I'm not sweating it too hard. I just yeah. I w- I'd be I'd be fine if we were three and three and not as good as last year. And mm-hmm. and and even if there were two or three times where it was like, man, Josh Norman would have made that play better, you know. But uh, there's a lot of other things to be pissed about, and uh, and and I could just switch and jump over the uh, skins bandwagon because I do this podcast. So no, it's, I'm not sweating it at all. I'll allow it. All right, good, good. kind of gone kind of long here um some some coaches talk about uh the season being broken up into quarters which i thought that was an interesting thing because that would mean that the redskins basically went you know 500 in the first first mini season and again we talked about those two losses being the cowboys and the steelers uh now they're two and oh to start this sort of the second quarter and and they're uh their season breaks up perfectly because they got that buy in the middle of it mm-hmm. um are you going to be – what are you going to be satisfied with after week nine? Do you, I mean, are you kind of expecting two wins the next two weeks? Are you okay if they go one and one? Uh, are you going to be dismayed if they go 0 oh and two? How are you seeing the, the, the stretch, the bye week here with the Lions and the Bengals? Because it's nice. They don't have an easy schedule the rest of the way. They no, play some scrub teams like the Panthers and the Bears. <laughs> but they've got a lot of good teams out there. How do, you, how do you think the Lions and the Bengals need to shake out both on the road? Yeah, so they're going at Detroit, and then they got Cincinnati in London, which is weird. Um, oh, that's right. right. They, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't – you know, the Lions are 3-3 three and three and not bad, and I think the Bengals – you know, I haven't watched a ton of them closely, but I feel like they're probably a pretty good two and four team. So yeah, lost some good teams. Like yeah, I'd, I'd be, I would if if you offered me a split right now, I'd take it. That's what I'm thinking, and you, you don't care which one it is. Like if you right. get the Lions win, you you know, and plus the Bengals being a London game, 
It's like whatever. It's a toss right. up. It, it, it goes bad. I prefer to beat the Lions if just in case there's going to be playoff implications because they're an NFC team, but um, you know they're not a divisional team, so. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, could they win both? Absolutely. Um, I'd be, I'd be, it would be very disappointing if they, if they lost both, but I'd be pretty satisfied with one and one. I feel like going to London is just kind of like a huge wild card, you know, who knows how they're going to respond to the travel and et cetera. But, um, yeah. boy, six and two would be pretty sweet. It would be. I like the way you started that sentence before that. I feel like going to London. Uh, also, when you were saying you're going to travel over there, would you ever consider going? Are you? To, uh, uh, wait. Oh, are you saying that you're treating me? Yes. <laughs> Let's do it. That, hey, Sports Channel only, Eight. Only, yes. Only, only one of us. Uh, uh, it brings in the, the big medical box here. Um, <laughs> although, although Sports Channel Eight is having a nice fall. Um, and that's it. We should, well, we should, we can tease news about possible, uh, sources of income for, uh, for the, the, the Burgundy broadcast. We'll see if it, well, if it goes that way. Would really, would really care a lot about that. The fans better care because we're going to need them to respond if indeed we do, uh, we do come ah, right. to deal with that. Like, All absolutely. Right. It will I matter. I think you've so. adequately teased it. That's a tease. That's a tease. Uh, all right, we got Lions and Bengals. We'll see if the Redskins will be six and two before the bye, or maybe a more Redskins like four and four. We'll see how it shakes out. Suck it. We'll see how it shakes out, and we'll be talking about it here on the Burgundy Blogcast. For Brent, I'm Hayes Permar. Peace. Peace.